Welcome to your Active's Digital Brief podcast with me, Samuel Stolton, where I'll survey the most important stories across the European tech landscape this week in the world of politics and policy. So we start today with yet more guidance from the Commission on how member states can best use and employ coronavirus contact tracing apps. The executive said earlier this week, as part of a series of measures designed to mitigate the fallout from the coronavirus, that the largest possible participation of EU citizens is required in order for coronavirus contact tracing applications to work effectively. In another document published earlier this week by the executive, focusing specifically on the importance of interoperability of contact tracing apps, the executive noted how this could be essential in opening up Europe's borders in the future. All member states and the Commission consider that interoperability between these apps and between back-end systems is essential for these tools to enable the tracing of cross-border infection chains, the EU guidelines say. Amid the wider debate on the employment and use of contact tracing applications, I recently caught up with the head of the European Institute of Technology, Willem Jonker, to hear about an initiative that he has recently been pushing, which is to use a physical token-based system for contact tracing. The solution, Jonker and the EIT believe, is both privacy-preserving and appeals to the EU's objective of acquiring digital sovereignty. This is what Willem had to say. It's a physical token. And this physical token has a very simple interface. And as an example, we use a traffic light interface. And if you look at the token, it is green. Because you picked up the token and it is green. And green indicates, to our knowledge, there's nothing wrong. To our knowledge, right? There's nothing wrong. If you feel not well, you go to a test and the test is positive, you are determined to be infected and your traffic light goes red. It means you are tested and confirmed to be positive. Orange finally means you have been in contact with a person that is confirmed positive So we strongly advise you to go and take a test because you could be infected. It might be. So that is the three signals that you give to the users. Now, how do people get such a system? Well, for us, it's such a token. For us, it's very important acceptance. And acceptance critically depends on People have to truly believe that the system is not invading their privacy and it should be very easy to use. Well, easy to use, we just explained. You just pick it up and all you have to do is look at the light. So that use is very simple. How do we now guarantee that people understand that it's a complete anonymous system? And that is because this token does not contain any personal information. The token just has its serial number 
and that's it. And the other information of that is stored on the token is only the serial numbers of tokens with you have been in contact for a certain time. If we have been going to drink a coffee, we were together for 10, 15 minutes, my serial number will be registered in your token and your serial number and mine. And that's it, not your identity, just the number of your token. And the funny thing is, we compare it to a lottery. So you go and buy a physical lot in a lottery. It has a serial number. When the lottery is finished, the winning numbers are just broadcasted in the newspaper. Everybody can read the number. But from reading those numbers, I don't know what is your ticket. I don't know that you are a winner, even if you are my neighbor. Of course, when all of a sudden you buy a great new car, it's a different thing, but I don't know that you are a winner. And if you've lost your ticket, nobody will ever be able to find out that you were the winner. They cannot trace you. And sometimes you see that prices of lotteries are not even handed out because the person could not be traced. So how do we now distribute these tokens to get this lottery analogy? We assume that you can just distribute these tokens in a supermarket, for example. You go there, there is a whole basket of, uh, of tokens, and you pick your favorite. Up to you. Nobody knows which token you took. You can even take 10, do a little bit of goggling, throw nine back and keep one. Nobody knows which one you kept. But also, you don't know the serial number because it's hidden inside. And nobody knows the serial number. And nobody knows your identity. The token also does not know your identity. So that's very essential. So that's how you get the token. This token you carry with you. And the use of the token is very simple. Yeah? When you meet another person, you are close enough for a certain period of time. You get the, the token serial numbers and that's and it. And while EIT say that the network infrastructure which connects the tokens should not necessarily be of importance, they are convinced that taking the practice of contact tracing away from smartphones can only be a good thing for EU values of privacy and data protection. Elsewhere in the coronavirus app world and a recently launched EU-funded mobile application records users breathing and coughing to diagnose cases of COVID-19, scientists involved in the project have said. The scientists are researchers at the University of Cambridge, and you can read more about that story on the Euractiv website. Moving over to the world of 5G now, and the German Interior Ministry wants to check whether manufacturers of 5G components are trustworthy to protect critical infrastructure from cyber attacks. For Social Democrat MP Falco Moores, this does not go far enough. He demands a political security check fed with Secret Service information. And you can read more about that story on the Euractive website. Moving over to Denmark now, and Chinese tech giant Huawei has been trying to influence the Danish Prime Minister, new documents published by Danish media show. The documents apparently undermine Huawei's assurances the company is independent of the Chinese government. In Sweden now, and Swedish telecoms equipment maker Ericsson said on Monday it will lift its forecast for 5G subscriptions globally to around 2.8 
billion by 2025 from 2.6 billion seen previously as a consequence of the novel coronavirus pandemic. Concentrating on the data protection field now in Europe and the personal data of Austrian citizens has been publicly accessible on the Ministry of Economy's website since 2009. The Liberal Party and NGO Epicenter.Works call it the biggest data protection scandal of the Second Republic. Staying in Austria and this week Austria's European Centre for Digital Rights group filed a formal GDPR complaint against Google for tracking users through an Android advertising ID without a valid legal basis. In Holland now, and the Dutch Data Protection Authority is set to examine whether TikTok has adequately protected the privacy of Dutch youngsters, and in the United Kingdom, UK ministers are examining whether the capacities of Britain's privacy watchdog, the Information Commissioner's Office, are strong enough to take on tech giants such as Google and Facebook. Moving over to policy now and the Digital Services Act, a coalition of pro-tech nations have spoken out on their position on the future regulatory framework of the DSA. The group is known as the D9 Plus Coalition and includes countries such as Belgium, the Czech Republic, Denmark, Estonia, Finland, Ireland, Luxembourg, Netherlands, Poland and Sweden. Their document calls for the Commission's Digital Services Act package to abide by the central principles of the e-commerce directive, which was adopted in 2000, seems like a generation ago now, including the country of origin principle, the limited liability exemption, and the ban on a general monitoring obligation. Moving on to the wider platform ecosystem now, and France has finally adopted its hate speech law. Yes, social networks and other online content providers will have to remove paedophile and terrorism-related content from their platforms within an hour or face a fine of up to 4% of their global revenue under the new rules. Back here in Brussels, and the European Commission is to contract a study on the gatekeeping or market-dominating power of digital platforms in a bid to gather evidence which could feed into the upcoming Digital Services Act, documents seen by your active reveal, and you can read more about that with us online. Google's planned $2.1 billion takeover of fitness trackers company Fitbit may harm consumers and hinder innovation, European consumer group Buick said on Wednesday, calling it a game-changer deal in the health and digital markets. In Hungary, meanwhile, two men have been detained since Tuesday on suspicion of scaremongering in the country after sharing posts critical of the government on Facebook. Twitter has been taken to court in France. Four anti-discrimination associations took the company to court in Paris, claiming that the social network had long and persistently failed to meet its obligations in terms of content moderation. In the world of artificial intelligence this week, EU lawmakers in Brussels debated the bloc's approach to regulating AI, in a number of draft reports composed by the Civil Liberties Committee earlier this week, and they cover areas such as civil liability, ethics and intellectual property rights. You can read more about the detail of those reports on your active. In Germany, meanwhile, the country has reopened a controversial debate 
over whether its armed forces should be trusted to operate armed drones. While an agreement seems far off, the debate could soon get a European twist. In the world of biometric surveillance, European Digital Rights Group EDRI has released its position paper on biometric mass surveillance, calling for a ban of all forms of the technology. Cybersecurity now, and German Chancellor Angela Merkel spoke before the Bundestag yesterday in a government Q&A similar to Prime Minister's Question Time in the UK, reiterating the need for caution for those going out in public and warning of a possible second wave of the coronavirus. She also recalled the 2015 cyber attack on the Bundestag and said that Russia was responsible for the offensive. In the realm of disinformation, a European Commission study on the effectiveness of the EU's code of practice against disinformation has criticised the self-regulatory nature of the framework, suggesting that sanctions and redress mechanisms should be put into place in order to ensure compliance with the rules. In Romania this week, the declaration of a state of emergency in the country due to the coronavirus has brought with it a first for the country. The authorities have started to close down news sites for promoting false information related to the pandemic. You can read more about those closures on the Euractive website. In the media and culture sphere now, and in the context of a recent parliamentary question on the subject of media empires being in the hands of European political parties, Commission Vice President for Values and Transparency, Vera Jourova, has said that the upcoming European Democracy Action Plan could assist in this regard, including legislative proposals to ensure greater transparency on paid political advertising and clearer rules on the financing of European political parties. Parliament Committee for Culture and Education Chair Sabine Verheyen has this week called for the Budget for Creative Europe, which is the funding mechanism for Europe's creative programmes and initiatives, to be doubled as part of the new long-term budget proposal due to be put forward by Commission President von der Leyen. Tech firms in Europe are losing out on a wide range of talent and diversity due to their reluctance to hire women from across all levels of management, the EU Commissioner for Innovation and Research, Maria Gabrielle, has said. You can read more about her comments as part of an event hosted by the Trade Association Digital Europe on the Euractive website. And along with the lethargy and fatigue that comes with the non-stop deluge of coronavirus stories in the world of tech, I'm actually rather pleased to reference a Brexit story this week. And while the UK continues to maintain that it pursue its own standards in the field of data protection, MEPs said yesterday that the European Council should not allow fingerprint data to be exchanged between the UK and EU countries. According to a report composed by MEP Juan Fernando López Aguilar, the EU's move to grant the UK access to the bloc's fingerprint data would create serious risks for the protection of fundamental rights and freedoms of individuals. And we finish this week with a story on the common charger that the European Commission has been trying to propose and put forward since 2011, and the EU's Commissioner for the Internal Market responded to a question from MEP Jordan Bardella this week on the Commission's plans to introduce the common charger, which has been heavily lobbied against by certain firms, including Apple. 
Breton said that the Commission is considering future-proof solutions which would allow technological innovation. We were expecting a proposal on the common charger to come at some point in this year, but it could very much be delayed until 2021. That's all we've got time for this week, folks. Thank you so much for taking time to tune in, and you'll hear from me again next week. Thank you.